2: they can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 20th, 2011. Newcomers look into the website CuttingThroughMatrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios to download for free where I take you through this big system which overlays the systems the media talks about. In other words, the parallel government, the real government that runs the world and how they've shaped your minds, they've trained you to expect changes that are already planned to come, and how you'll adapt to them as you go through your lives. It's quite simple, really. Uh, It's very big, mind you, and well-organized and well-funded because it's owned by the guys who literally uh, pull money out of thin air, so there's there's no problem in getting the cash to hire all the think tanks that deal with every aspect of your life. ...across the whole planet. That's for everybody. Quite the feat, mind you, but they've been at it for an awful long time. So help yourself to the audios, as I say, I'll give you shortcuts to understanding this big system... ...and how literally your mind is not your own. You're conditioned to believe in certain things and to have opinions which are given to you, and you don't even know how come you arrived at those conclusions. Generally, it's because everyone else comes to the same conclusions because they're presented to you by people in authority, either teachers or university teachers or professors, or they're promoted via the media or movies even. It's, everything is part of the propaganda spiel. So remember, too, that you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can help me out by buying the books and discs I have for seal cutting through and from the U.S. to Canada, you can purchase using a personal check or an international postal money order from your post office, or you can send cash, or you can use PayPal to order. Use the donation button on the com site and follow it with an email with name, address, and order, and I'll get it out to you. Across the rest of the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and you've got PayPal again using the donation button. Remember, straight donations are certainly welcome. In these times of increasing austerity. And we're only on the brink, really, of austerity because they've got an awful long way to go with us yet. When you read all of their great big plans of redistributing the world's wealth into their own corporations, which they plant overseas and call them third world countries. That's really where the cash is going, not to the people. But you see, this was planned long before you were born. It was planned before your parents were born. And it goes way back into the, the centuries. You'll see lots of books coming out, of course, in the 1800s, apart from Karl Marx himself. Uh, You can see Gramsci's books, too, that really had a big impact on communism or world socialism. And you'll find that the banks love this idea because, you see, uh, it's far better to get everyone in debt and have the governments chase you up for the cash via taxation, guarantees the bank's payments, much better than loaning to individuals and then sending your own private uh, heavies out door to door to collect the cash. That's why they love socialism. And also it's because they can get an ordered society worldwide, a global society. It works very, very well. And there's lots of advocates for it who get well rewarded. And I noticed that even the communist system, too, that the guys in the Politburo, uh, literally, they came out after the wall went down, they lived in, in just as high a lifestyle as their equivalent bureaucrats across the seas in other countries. So they do very well for themselves. And, uh, and when money's involved, believe you me, when a dollar talks, morality walks. And it's always been that way, always will be that way. Psychopaths love it too because they catch, they smell the wind before anyone else does. They know which way it's blowing and they hop on board and get to the top. Uh, they don't bother with moral qualms of right and wrong uh, as long as they're on the winning team. And I've met lots of people who've admitted to me that they'd rather join the, the winning team, doesn't no matter who it happens to be for their own personal survival. And that's the way the world really is. There's no lack of people willing to do the dirty work if they're well rewarded for doing so, and they don't suffer personally. To them, it's very pragmatic a choice and very sensible to them, and they'll rationalize it to you. Just the same as anybody after any big massacre saying, well, I was only doing my job by shooting those people because I was told to do it by a superior and uh, the same thing is used when they take down countries, as they're taking them down now. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. Last week I talked about Agenda 21, I I touched on it, because it's it's impacting everyone's lives, whether they know it or not. And uh, the whole big society idea in Britain is all part of Agenda 21, where the federal governments pretend to decentralize power down to the local level. But in reality, they're they're bringing you back to a new feudal system. And uh, your little area will be where you're confined eventually, if you're not one of the special people. And you'll have to work in like a collective, basically. That's what it's about, collectivism. And uh, you'll have a representative who will be supplied to you uh, by common purpose, generally, if you're in Britain. Every country has their own group already formed and funded by the big boys. And they'll go off to the World Bank to borrow money for your little area. And you're you're all put down, basically, as uh, uh, the guys who have to pay it all back. And you'll also, at the same time, mind you, you will still be paying more taxes than ever to the federal government. They aren't going to make it cheaper taxes and say, well, you're managing yourselves now, so you don't need this department and that department. No, those departments may vanish, uh, apparently, in the the federal level, but uh, the the cash that you must pay your governments won't, because now they've decided to give all that cash to, supposed third world countries via uh, the new uh, um, helping the countries out, the, all the different policies to help or redistribute the wealth, they actually call it now, which is straight from the Communist Manifesto, as we all know, I think, for the ones who listen to this broadcast. So there's an article tonight, and I'm going to put this up on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and it's about Agenda 21 again, and it talks about national suicide. It, it starts off from the American point of view with the Constitution that no states shall enter into any treaty, alliance, or confederation Grant letters of mark and reprisal, coin money, emit bills of credit, make any things but gold and silver, coin a tender and payments of debt, pass any bill of tender, expose facto law, or law impairing the obligation of contracts, or grant any title of nobility. And it gives the Article 1, Section 10, U.S. Constitution. It's amazing, too, how many presidents and uh, people like um, Kissinger have been given titles of nobility from Britain, and no one really cares about that anymore, do they? Anyway, it says the section of the constitution prevents memberships of states, cities and counties in an organization called International Council of Local Environmental Initiatives. That's the ICLEI I talked about last night, last week. It says, but I'll bet many readers of this article live in a city, town or county that belongs to ICLEI because it has more than 600 active members throughout the United States and those member, members are cities, counties and states, not individuals. Then it's got a little um, link here where you can look up your own county or state to see if you're actually a member of it. You'll find that you probably are. It says, if your state is spending your tax dollars to violate Article 1, Section 10, of the Constitution to pay for membership in the ICLEI, you need to do something about it. And then it says, the Constitution says no state should enter into an alliance with a group devoted to supporting international policies unfriendly to America. Many readers have not yet heard of Agenda 21, also known as Sustainable Development, though NewsWithViews.com columnist uh, Tom DeWeese and Dr. Michael Kaufman, two of the nation's journalists uh, experts on the topic, uh, writes of it. In a recent article, DeWeese provided some quotes of individuals involved with ICLEI, and this should explain their philosophy quite clearly. And, of course, I read some of them last week. What they talk about tearing down all construction, tear up the dams, uh, and get rid of all your your industry and so on, and bring it back to wilderness and stuff like that. And it's quite a lot lengthy article. It talks about the upcoming Rio as a very important meeting. Again, by this private organisation run by, at least headed by Maurice Strong of Canada, who is a little lackey boy of the Rockefellers, that's who picked him up, made him who he is, and. Uh, Uh, they're the the ones who brought you, basically, Sustainability Agenda 21 and gave animals and insects more rights than humans. In fact, humans have no rights, according to them, at all. And so the Part 2 of the Earth Charter comes up in 2011. That's going to be quite quite the international sock to everybody's jaw when it comes out because your governments will all sign it automatically because they're all in on it, you see. All of them are in on this international agenda sustainability, depopulation, uh, eventually mandatory sterilization. That's for those who are still fertile, most of us are already going the other way with the injections we've all been given, plus the food we're forced to eat. Now, what's coming uh, for the world has to be looked at from where it really all starts. They always use Britain as a flagship, and uh, the sustainability also uh, impacts all the schooling system. And this article here is about what you can expect in the U.S., Canada, and across the planet. It says, A shock to the education system. Free schools to open six days a week, 51 weeks a year. And they give an example here of Norwich, in England. This is Norwich Free School will only close for a week at Christmas and for bank holidays. Pupils are required to stay as late as 8 p.m. at one free school. Up to 20 free schools opening September, with 100 more expected next year. So remember, your little community has to pay for your own schools, and the teachers and the staff can also set their own wages as well. That's awfully nice, and their own times that they will teach, even if it's up, I guess, to midnight. There's no laws against it. But when you really look through the article, what, I, what it is, really, is what I read last week, too, to do with socialism, where uh, Bertrand Russell talks about it, and he, he said that eventually uh, the state will take over all the roles and functions that the parent used to do, He uh, including uh, raising the child before it goes to school. And uh, we, have, we have all that in place, plus uh, all the evening time that you would call quality time now. Uh, the state will give them their values up to 8 p.m. at least, and maybe later, right through the weekend as well, if need be, and that is the new society. This is the new society to get one generation utterly divorced again from the last generation, which was divorced from the previous one. They're really doing it in in jumps about five years now. It's very, very quick how quickly they can raise the the new crop and indoctrinate them into the system. Beria talked about that at the Comintern meeting in 1934 in Soviet Russia, so it used to take 70 years to make a major change in culture across the, any country. He says, now we can do it with about f- in about five years. He says, three, or three to five years because of the intensive uh, scientific indoctrination that we give them. And that is so true. Now, people don't know it, but this is the way it's done. It's not very difficult when you understand it. You prepare every kindergarten class, for instance, every year, just a step ahead of the one prior to them. It's that simple. Now, I've mentioned before, too, that countries under the World Trade Organization that have to be brought up to, this, to the top are done so by your tax money. That's what makes it happen. It's not because they're harder working or any of that. Uh, uh, Brazil, uh, China, and China itself didn't bring itself up by the bootstraps at all. Uh, they were funded up to the top and through the World Trade Organization in the GATT Treaty, the GATT, Uh, We funded all the factories to move to China after we trained for years their engineers that would run those factories and design things over there. But we funded uh, all the private corporations to up and move. We paid for their moving, and they're set up in China, and under the Treaty 2, we also funded any losses to them that they claimed they might have suffered in a 10-year period until they started making what they said was a required profit, and that could be extended as well. That's how you raise countries up to the top, by giving the cheapest labor anywhere in the world, uh, tax-free for 10 years, by the way, for them, and, um, and they're guaranteed to take off and become number one. You must have manufacturing to be number one in um, a moneyed society or a, or a profit-making society. You've got to have manufacturing. Everything else spins off of that. Uh, In a service economy, which we are today, uh, basically we're being serviced. All right. There's different meanings for being serviced. We certainly are. And we're, we're just dishing our tax money across the world in the redistribution of wealth, which really goes to keep these big corporations going and setting up in third world countries. So China could overtake the US in its size of its domestic banking sectors by around 2023. I think it would be before, I think it's already there says so the global financial crisis will hasten economic changing in the guard, putting China and India at the top of the world's banking industry, according to international consultancy uh, pr- uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. PwC, in its report, Banking 2050, it uh, always up to 2050, all, even the Rand Corporation, uh, says the accelerating shift in economic power from the developing to emerging economies is dramatically changing the banking industry. Uh, The emerging economies' banking sectors are expected to outgrow those in the developed economies by an even greater margin than we projected before the financial crisis, it says. By 2050, the leading E7 emerging economies, China, India, Brazil, Russia, Mexico, Indonesia, and Turkey, could have domestic banking assets and profits that exceed those in the G7 group of leading developed countries by around 50%, PW says. The G7 countries are the United States, Japan, Germany, Britain, France, Italy and Canada. China could overtake the U.S. in the size of its domestic banking sectors by around 2023, the PWC says. India has particularly strong long-term growth potential and our projections suggest it could become the third largest domestic banking sector by 2050 after China and the U.S. but ahead of Japan, the U.K. and Germany. Brazil could also rise strongly over this period. Well, these are all the countries that we are putting our money in through all the United Nations agendas to bring them up. All these different countries, and with tax-free uh, 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 services and so on for 10 years, no taxation for a business. Uh, Who is going to give and cheap, cheap labour? Uh, you can you can imagine. Uh, gonna be nothing left at all in the so-called first world countries, and that is the agenda. They're not stupid at the top. You know, long before they signed the World Trade Organization, uh, the GATT Treaty, uh, they debated everything, all the impacts it would have on the Western economies. They knew it was returned into a service economy, just passing things around that we import. That's what it is. And they knew how long it would last before you you can paddle so long before you start drowning. And they knew that uh, the balance of trade is incredible. Everything comes in and, and nothing much goes out except debt and, and payments on debt. That's what we live in today. But they're not stupid at the top. They plan to bring all the, top, the countries down. They've been doing it for a while. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. We're back, and we're cutting through the matrix. And I only touched night, too, on, on the Internet, of course. We all know they're closing in the Internet, and eventually you'll have nothing but uh, wonderful shows on sustainability and greening and all those kinds of lovely things, and how we must share everything with everyone across the world and go into austerity and be happy doing it, knowing we're helping some big international corporation. So uh, just before this all comes to a head, of course, we try to get as much information out as we can. But uh, they're now going after people who link to sites in in Britain and the U.S. as well. This British student uh, faces extradition to the U.S. for linking to copyrighted material. Uh, It's about a fellow student, I guess, who he had a site called TV Shack. And uh, the U.S. court uh, has put in an extradition order to have him put over to the U.S. to be trialed for for, for linking to a site that was copyrighted. Uh, Absolute craziness. But that's how they start these things. It it seems so trivial and silly, but that's how they start all these laws taking off. And believe you me, I've watched enough silly and trivial things being passed in law in my whole life uh, that nothing surprises me at all, and they seem to be serious about it. So they're raising public awareness, too, by articles like this. That's part of the reason I've done this to this boy. Is to, so to make us all aware now, and to make us all put us all on tender hooks and scared to link and do things or say things. And of course, if you put up a, a site where anyone can put anything in, you really are putting your neck on the chopping block. And that's a, that's a, really a message for everyone else as well. Anyone who's doing that, obviously. And then I'd like to mention just two before we go to the callers to do with uh, European schools, that they have elitist schools now. I mentioned the United Nations have their own schools and universities, uh, generally for the offspring of bureaucrats in the United Nations. They breed their own world managers, in other words. And that was talked about long ago before they even created the United Nations, when they had the League of Nations that they wanted to do that. The perfect environment for uh, authoritarian uh, basically bureaucrats would be to have offspring brought up in the homes of bureaucrats working for the League of Nations. Well, they actually have it for the United Nations now. Well, they also have it too for Europe, for the bloc for Europe. And it says elite European schools, how the Eurocrats' children uh, get the gravy and you pay for it. Uh, th- thanks to, um, GFDF for taking the time to post a comment, isn't it, says, for asking about the elite European schools for the sons and daughters of Eurocrats which I mentioned in the previous post about the luxurious lives of the European Commission staff. This will fill you in a bit. The schools are located in the most fashionable neighborhoods of Brussels, Frankfurt, Luxembourg, and other cities across the European school from their websites. And they actually have some in Britain too, but they're moving to Brussels as well. It says... Um, it says um, across the European school from their website's continent where there are significant numbers of Eurocrats in Kilham and Kilham in Oxfordshire which is being wound down as a European school and turned into an academy. The schools offer an aggressive uh, European education from nursery level through secondary level meant to produce uh, children who are, uh, and this is their founding mission, Uh, statement. says uh, This is all mixed up, this article here. The program it came through on is uh, to mind Europeans. Schooled ready to compete and consolidate the work of their fathers before them to bring in to being a united and thriving Europe. And I'll put this article up tonight as well. Maybe you have a better program to download than me because it's all mixed up here. But uh, it gives you the gist of what it's all about. They, they literally breed a uh, class of world managers. This is the time, by the way, they've said officially that we're living under the world managers. I hope you uh, really, you see these little articles with titles like that. They mean what they say. So sort of take it to your heart and believe it. Um, now there's Tristan from Toronto hanging on the line. Are you there, Tristan? Hello?
1: Hi. Hey yes. Owen, how's it going?
2: Not yeah.
1: Uh Thank you very much. Uh, you know, I always listen to your show now, and it's like someone teaching me how to fish instead of someone fishing for me, so I really appreciate your work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, I caught your last show on Friday, I believe it was, and you were mentioning the underground history of American schooling. Mm-hmm. So I started, like, you know, I found the book online, the author. He couldn't even get it published, so he just put it online for free. Mm -hmm. And reading through the book, it's just amazing how you go through your own life and you pick out little stuff from your your memory. And I was born here in Canada, but then I went back, my parents moved back to Trinidad and I ended up being raised there for like the first from ages two to five, I guess, four, Mm -hmm. for those two years. Oh no, sorry, till six. Mm -hmm. And when I came back up here, one of the first things they tried to do when I came into grade one was they tried to send me back into kindergarten, which is always yeah. interesting because, you know, like all the kids and did in kindergarten was play and sing songs and look at pictures all day. That's right. And by that time in Trinidad schooling, you know, I was at age four, you're already counting to 100, you know, you, you already know how to read, draw, math, timetables, everything. So my mom stood up to them and said, no, he's six years old, he's going into grade one. And that was it. And the first day of school, you go in, you're excited, and you realize that the kids who just came from kindergarten can barely spell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Like barely, you know, barely have a thought in their head, and they would, you know, ask you, Kristen, spell they. And, you know, oh, T-H-E-Y. Okay, sure. go play in the corner, you know. Don't think anymore. <laughs> yeah, You Stop yeah. thinking. So, you know, time passes, and one of the things he mentioned in the book was how They've extended the age of childhood. Yes. And I remember mm-hmm. when I was younger, I was about eight years old, my brother taught me how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. There was no training wheels, you know. You got on the bike and you learned how to ride it. You scraped your leg, you know, if you fell, yeah. and you, you cleaned it up.
2: I'll tell you, hold, hold on, and, and we'll come back after this and, and let you continue.
1: Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth.
2: Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix, talking to Tristan from Toronto. You're still there, Tristan?
1: Yeah, I'm still here.
2: Yeah, continue. Yeah.
1: But yeah, so when I was eight years old, you know, my brother taught me how to ride a bike, and you know couple scrapes the first few times, but I guess within, uh, say, a couple hours, mm-hmm. I pretty much learned how to ride a bike. Yeah. So fast forward now, my brother's married, or was married, and he has a daughter, my niece Larissa. And when she was seven years old, two years ago, uh, he started to teach how to ride a bike. But this time, there was the training wheels. Yeah. So training wheels, learn how to ride a bike, whole summer. Mm-hmm.
2: And you need got a helmet, too, and and elbow pads. Yeah, the (laughs)
1: helmet, the knee pads, and the elbow pads, and all, yeah, all the safety measures. Yeah. And go through the whole summer with the training wheels at the end of the summer. She couldn't know how to, she didn't know how to ride a bike. Yeah. Eight years old, same thing again. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, as Einstein said almost, it's like, you know, if you do the same thing again and again, expecting different results, you're legally insane or something, or scientifically insane. It you find that out thing. with the
2: com- yeah, it's like the computer. You go in a loop, round and round and round. I've seen people going going round in loops for ages. <laughs> exactly.
1: I was like, same thing. Whole yeah. summer with the training wheels. She could, at the end of the summer they took it off. She couldn't ride the bike. Yeah. So this year they were you know getting the bike out, and I just said to him like, you know what? Take off the training wheels. When she comes over, tell them they flew away. Make up some story. Just tell them there's no training wheels, yeah. and just set her to ride the bike. She's gonna fall. You taught me. How long did it take me, all right? You know, like, it's like, you know, I almost said, like, you know, it's it's eugenics, you know, what? It's in the genes, right? You know, like, yeah. if I could have did it in 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, she'll be able to do it. By yeah. the end of the day, she could ride the bike. That's right. Yeah. Things, right? so, so you're,
2: t- you're taught in this system to be that you need support. You're taught that you need support all through your life. And, and we're getting taught that in every age group now. You need support your whole life long because you're just not not clever enough to understand the big things in life. So you need help to get you along through life. But experts must guide you the whole way.
1: <laughs> For the most part, yeah. Ex- that's exactly what it is. That's, ex- that's how it is. You know, it's like my mom sits here and watches TV and, I keep telling her, like, why are you watching this garbage, this Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz and Oprah? And it's like these people, like, uh, I think one of the shows was the lady came on. She's having anxiety attacks in the middle of her house. Mm -hmm. She's in the safest place. She has a gun. She has mace. She has all these, you know, her husband's buying her all these things Mm -hmm. because he's a truck driver, so he has to go. He wants him to quit his job. That way she could feel safer. Mm -hmm. And when you, you know, it's like I just looked at it, Three seconds. I'm like, she needs to stop watching TV. Whatever the horror shows that she's watching, yeah. she needs to turn off the TV. Yes. I come, <clears throat> I go out, get something to drink, come back up. My mom says, you know, guess what? I was like, what? It was the horror shows. I'm like, come on, man. It's you need to go on Doctor Phil to figure these things out. Like, yeah. This is this is the world we live in. It's
2: well, again, Bertrand Russell said, we shall train the public to be unable to think for themselves. Uh, and eventually, women will be unable to change their own baby's diaper without expert opinion. And they they've done they've done that in my lifetime. I saw it happening. I lived through it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it, it just gets worse and worse. Like I hang out with my cousin's friends, and they're about ten years younger than me. And I have memories of when I was came back to Canada, six years old. You know, like it's clear as mem- I, I remember. I used to splash in the toilet bowl. Like whenever my parents went to bed, I would. Jump out of my crib and go in the toilet bowl and splash around and play. Mm-hmm. These kids can barely remember what happened five years ago. I, it's unbelievable, and they're, I'm like, they're like, "How do you remember these things?" I'm like, "I don't know," you know.
2: Well, they have, they, they have a short-term memory now. There's no doubt about it. Yeah.
1: Well, I, you know, I guess you know what it's. It's funny reading this book because I never made it past grade ten. I just couldn't stand it. I mean, I went to grade eleven, but mm-hmm. I was so sick of school and. It, it pretty much goes into like this. We were studying American history, and there was always big talk about how American history was so exciting. Mm-hmm. So the first two days in class, you know, we're talking about these things, and I'm just bored to tears. Yeah. And I just stopped going to the class after. Like, I just said, forget this stuff. Mm-hmm. So every single day I would go home and read the textbook Yeah. that they had. And then came back, like, after a month of skipping school, and oh, it's the terrible thing. I came back, you know, they, they finally caught me, you know, I, I was caught, yeah. and dragged me back into the classroom, and I came back in, and the teacher started insulting me. He was one of my basketball coaches, so, you know, he thought it was his right to insult me, and, you know, he's like, oh, I hope you do good on the test, you know, don't fail now, and every, you know, the whole school, or the whole classroom was laughing at my expense, mm-hmm. and took the test, and I got 75%. Yeah. And I beat out I think it was sixty percent of the kids who were in school or in that class for the whole duration.
2: Yeah, you understand it's nothing to do with what they're teaching you. It's the way it's the way that you're supposed to feel about it. Not, not the information. In the
1: book as well, yeah.
2: That's right, and, and that's also the whole. That's what the whole thing is. That's why they want the teacher who knows she's read the toolkit. This is this is the impression you want to leave in the children's mind. So an impression is to do with feelings, and so it's the emotion that's attached to it, and it's got to be the right direction. And that's really what it's all about. That's why they want you there in the school. Yeah.
1: yeah, it's to make you feel hollow. and Emma, yeah. yeah,
2: that's right. But but thanks for calling. And your house. I think Gatto also has a book which you can buy uh, as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. That what it's called? Um, I'm not sh- I'm not really sure, but if you just punch in his name, uh, John Taylor Gatto, uh, you'll find it uh, out there on, on Yahoo or somewhere, yeah, or Google Books, you know, Yahoo Books.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. He's, uh, right. he's got a big thick book out there somewhere. Yeah. Okay.
1: And, uh, yeah, you're doing great work, and please keep it up. And I hope you can, you know. I yeah. hope you can keep doing this as long as possible because some people really need this.
2: Yes, yeah, there's no doubt about it, especially nowadays where we're going, oh, we're like a rocket ship going through the changes.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> but thanks for calling. And now we'll go to, um, uh, Fabit in Saudi Arabia if he's on the line. I hope, I hope he's got a better line this time. Hello? Hello? Yes. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. How are you, Alex? Sure. Yeah, I'm not, not too bad, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I wanted to uh, continue some of the things that, that I spoke in my last uh, call. I wanted to go to the issue uh, about uh, the uh, relationship between the, uh, Iran and the United States. Yeah. You see all this all this hype uh, in the media about uh, the mm-hmm. nuclear program of Iran and the. Uh, Consent uh, threats from the United States to Iran and uh, back forward and, and it's all, uh, it's, uh, there's uh, many reasons that make me to believe that uh, this is all just, a uh, uh, play. play. Yeah. And uh, behind the, behind the curtains, the, they are uh, really great friends because uh, you see, when uh, when Iraq tried to develop uh, a nuclear program, even for uh, uh, non non-war uh, related stuff for for energy, mm-hmm. uh, they uh, they instantly it was instantly hit by by an Israeli plane, planes and was destroyed.
2: I remember that. Yeah, I, I remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I and mean, it it was for the uh, for for peaceful things uh, peaceful tasks uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, uh, meant to be for war and uh, creating bombs and stuff so you see iran uh, it has been many years about uh, many years uh, initiating its uh, its nuclear program it has been many years since it started and uh, you see all this uh, nonsense uh, threats and all this media uh, Media uh, fooling uh, people to believe that there's a real tension and uh, Iran is under threat. Uh, and I, let, let, me, let me assure you, Iran is, uh, is the number one, is the number two ally to America uh, after Israel. Mm-hmm. You see, the uh, United States and Iran have, uh, have, uh, have, uh, have a plan to share the Arab world. The mm-hmm. uh, U.S. has its part, uh, has its share uh, cut chair and the Iran also has its uh, its uh, its goals uh, in the region. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, uh, one example of that: uh, Iran uh, when uh, when the Iraqi uh, Iran war uh, happened, uh, Iran. Uh, went to Israel to take its weapon and, and fight Iraq. Uh, so so uh, that gives you uh, a good picture about the relationship between uh, Iran and uh, Israel. Uh, also, uh, Iran uh, has uh, supported all the, all the so-called Arab revolutions. Knowing, knowing that uh, they were uh, made uh, by uh, an American propaganda, an American uh, uh, conspiracy. Knowing, knowing mm-hmm. all that, uh, when uh, when they should be against uh, or advise the Arab uh, people, they were of these things. It's uh, it's a game. It's a play, yeah, but none of that
2: hasn't happened. Well, what you've got two. See, Britain started it all off, as you know, uh, a long time ago. This idea that they used called balance of, hello, balance of power. They called it, and their idea at one time was they would take the weaker party that was going going to war with a with a bigger party or more powerful party, and they'd fund the weaker party in the hope that they'd take both of themselves down. And this is what they meant by balance of power. And uh, once someone won, uh, whichever one would win, they then would become allies for a while, as long as they didn't get too big. And if they did, they'd stir up war with another party They would take down the latter party. And uh, this is what they did for centuries, this balance of power, uh, to make sure. But what they've also said, too, uh, at the United Nations, is they do not want uh, emerging countries in, or nations in some uh, pre-existing states, as they call them. They don't want them to rise up to a, a more powerful uh, level. Uh, the, the U.S. has said the same thing, especially with Kissinger. And uh, they're very selective in who they're going to allow to, to come up to the top, obviously. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you know, Iraq, Iraq, Iraq uh, had, uh, there, there has been many things going under the lights, uh, one of the things is, uh, when the United States attacked Iraq, uh, the United States had, had its uh, toll uh, of uh, murdering innocent people in Iraq, but, uh, but uh, no one speaks about the role uh, of Iran in Iraq. You know that uh, nearly uh, 800,000 people has, has died, particularly uh, uh, to Iran, by its uh, militias uh, And uh, Iran has played a big role In, uh, in turning Shias against Sunni yep. with, with the United States in Iraq mm-hmm. uh, At the same time You see you see Iran A lot of people in Palestine Saying uh, we, uh, we want to fight Palestine uh, We want to fight Israel We want to uh, 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 Return uh, The home for the Palestinian people that's all uh, just a big, uh, big lie, and, uh, and it's all happening uh, with uh, secret uh, agendas.
2: Mm-hmm. You know that that's the weakest points. That's the weakest points in all those countries, though, is that uh, even a hundred years ago. When Britain sent in its first spies, its main spies, not the first ones, but the main ones, even Lawrence said the same thing. It was so easy for any big power to come in and finance and, and get the different factions fighting each other. That was their Achilles heel. He said it was, too, it was so easy to do. Uh, And they could stir up trouble at any time. The hardest thing, the hardest thing was getting the Arabs to unite at all together for a common enemy. It was the hardest thing you could possibly do. So it was much easier to keep them fighting each other. And, of course, the big powers moved in and and they gained wonderfully through the whole 20th century from all the oil and everything else. So uh, you'll see it again, too. They'll keep using the the same Achilles heel that hasn't healed. And... uh, uh, and they'll keep at that, too, and, and have everyone fighting each other once again.
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, Alan. Is, uh, if I'm taking much uh, of the time, uh, you can stop me at any time. That's no, it's okay. Uh, one, one other thing is, uh, if you ask anyone in the world, or in the Arab, uh, in the Arab world, there is a percentage awakening to this issue. Yeah. But if you ask anyone in the world, About Saddam Hussein, they will tell you the following lines: he was a dictator, he mass murdered his people, he uh, or at least at least they would say uh, uh, he was good at the beginning and and he was he turned bad. Uh, Let me tell you what most of the Arab uh, people, the Arab street thinks, Uh, and that's not my opinion at all. Uh, they consider Saddam a martyr and uh, a great man who, who who built Iraq. And if you if you if you ask them why, they present you with with many with many uh, facts about Iraq before mm-hmm. uh, it was invaded and, uh, during the time of the ruling of Saddam. Uh, first of all, all of the the things being said about Saddam about mass murdering and uh, wmds has been just a big lie and uh, and even the things in jail uh, case that, that he was convicted uh, of uh, it happened at the time of the uh, iran iraq war and uh, in in fact the record show record showed later. Uh, these uh, villages that was uh, supposedly hit by Saddam with chemical weapons were actually hit by Iran when, 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 when she invaded a part of Iraq. Uh, uh, Saddam, uh, they well,
2: what's, what's interesting too, it has to be said as well, that uh, Rumsfeld at that time was sent over by the U.S. and he was selling the weaponry to both sides. And there's, there's some good videos up there with the footage on it of Rumsfeld shaking hands with Saddam. Uh, and they were doing their business deals there. And then is going to the other side and doing exactly the same. Again, that balance of power idea. Uh, and uh, every, everything was set up in advance. And Saddam definitely uh, was their ally as long, as long as he was keeping the peace in that area. But, but now is the time for the next part of the agenda, which is a total takeover. And so they got him out of the way. That's as simple as that.
0: Uh, they supported him because they wanted to destroy both Iraq and Iran yeah. you see uh, uh, Iran uh, is not an enemy it, it's, it's neighboring for the Arab people since centuries and centuries mm-hmm. but uh, we look forward to a good relationship with everyone in the world but uh, I'm, I'm just pointing out the, uh, the, the current issues, who is involved in, in what uh...
2: Yeah, yeah, hold on, and, and, and we'll come back after this break. Hold on. Hi, folks. We're back and cutting through the Matrix, just uh, finishing up here with the Fabbit who's talking about the the, the state of Iran and how things are going over in that direction, too. Are you still there Fabit? Hello? I guess he's gone. Uh, Is Clarence there?
1: Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Hi, uh, it's good to speak with you. Yes. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the movie... Well, actually, in general, I'll just start off since it's not that much time...
2: Uh,
1: about Stanley Kubrick. You know his name, obviously. It's
0: Cube Brick. Yeah, is, that like, is that a coincidence?
2: Yeah, I <laughs> know, yeah. Yeah,
1: all right. Uh, what do you think about his uh, the true nature of his demise?
2: Well, he certainly was a, a player up in the, the supposed occult uh, side of things. Uh, he un- understood the inner nature of of humans as well which is a, a different field altogether, even beyond psychology. And uh, he certainly also wanted to go further with, with what he was up to to do with um, some of the movies he made, like Eyes Wide Shut. He had a lot more to add to that, but it was all cut out. Um, and he wanted to keep it in. It was a big argument, of course. I mean, oh, I did 2001, very very, very important um, movie made after Arthur C. Clarke's novel. 2001, because that's, 2001 was a year that the New World Order was going to kick off. You understand? The whole, the whole idea of uh, 2001, the space odyssey, was an allegory of something else altogether. It was nothing to do with space. Do Uh, do you think Alan? Oh, Oh, nothing to do with space. Uh, Nothing at all. Uh, If you even see it starting off, you'll see it's sort of evolution, uh, superior types coming out of evolution. Uh, Even in the first part of, of 2001, look at the groundscape. Look at the symbols of the, the broken branches, of trees, the serpents, and so on. Uh, everyth- all the occult symbols are there. There's even uh, a plateau of a pyramid with the top off of it, the capstone off, if you see it. What um, do you think about this, Alan? Yeah. Uh,
1: what do you think about that uh, it was a computer that did September 11th? you think maybe that's part of the allegory? They say in the movie that they thought it was a, a germ outbreak
0: on the colony. You know, maybe that was kind of like a wink wink. Their original plan was a germ outbreak,
1: but it just spread out all the stops. <clears throat> maybe it was a computer, you know? Or in part ways, you know? It keeps it very... Well, they,
2: they, certainly, they, they certainly have used um, computer technology to the utmost and, and even making the movies. I mean, Kubrick um, was implicated in even doing the moon hoax because uh, he was working already with that uh, technology and uh, in 2001, it was, it was really ahead of its time. It was very realistic at the time. And, uh, of course, that's when the man went to the moon, supposedly, in that little washing machine covered in tinfoil. Um, and, and so it was often thought that he was brought in to, to actually work on the moon landing as well, which was actually filmed. I can remember Chief Dan George, was a good actor, uh, who came out at the time in the BBC show. They interviewed him there. He says, do you really believe man's on the moon? And he said, no. He says, I saw a set in Hollywood. He says, exactly like that. He says, I think that's what it is, he says. And everybody laughed at it. everybody laughed at this guy. He was a Canadian Indian, you know. And um, I think he's absolutely right on. 2010, of course, was the follow-up to it, where a new son, as another allegory, would be born in the sky, a second one. Meaning a second phase of a, a new world order, and to, 3001 is when the utopians have their utopia, and all the culling off of the inferior types has already happened. You have to read that book as well. But Kubrick definitely was up there uh, in the occultic side of things. Lots, uh, lots of symbols in these movies, which are enjoyable if you understand them, and most folk don't, of course. But, but thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. As good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.